0: Again, I apologize for keeping us from starting worship. I'd offer to take three minutes off the sermon, but you wouldn't believe me, so I wouldn't bind myself to that. But I hope tonight's lesson will be encouraging and and worth the time. Um, Scripture reading uh, for the lesson, the text for the lesson, is found in 1 Corinthians, and I want to read from chapter 15 beginning in verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. May God bless the reading and preaching of His Word tonight. Well, as uh, summer begins to fade into fall and and our minds begin to turn to that time of the year, I want you to think now about something that you might have done this summer, and if not this summer, or some other summer's day. And I want you to picture yourself on the at the ocean, on the beach. There's sand for miles, the waves break on the shore. And you have a toy bucket and a shovel, and you decide to build a sandcastle. And you work through the day, and you make your sandcastle larger and larger. You pack the sand down hard, and it looks like the castle could stand forever. You have built it so well. But what inevitably happens to sandcastles on ocean beaches It isn't long until the tide begins to come in and the waves move closer and closer to the sandcastle. And finally they begin to break against the walls of the sandcastle and when they do, wave by wave, the sandcastle is washed away. Before too long, all that is left is a shapeless mound of of sand that will be smoothed away. And so a a long day of work and play is lost And gone, except in memory. Now, we might say about that that that's just the way of sandcastles on ocean beaches come back tomorrow and build another one. But if you stop and think about it, that is also just the way with everything that we do in life. We finally get that car that we want, and we're so excited to have it, but by the second day it has a scratch in the side. And how long is it until there are rust spots and dents and dings and that beautiful car is worn out? We buy a house and we work on that house and we make it into a home and we're just pleased that we have it. And one night, a fire starts. And that home that we dreamed about and had worked so hard for is gone. Or we finally get to retire And when we've retired, we get sick, or a loved one gets sick. And the money that we've saved is washed away into a sea of medical bills. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes about this futility, and he calls it vanity. Vanity, vanity. It's all a chasing after the wind. Death is like the waves and tide of the ocean. It wipes out all of our sandcastles. And that is so sad, isn't it? But wait, hang on, this isn't meant to be a sad sermon. Just the opposite. What if there was a way to beat those waves and those tides? What if there was a way to make a sandcastle that stood forever? What if there was a way to overcome the vanity of life? What if it was possible to do something with your life that not even death could destroy? What if you could give your life to building something that would last for all eternity, that could never fade or rust or decay or disintegrate or burn or spoil or come to ruin, that could withstand every crashing wave? Would you be interested? Would you like to be part of something like that? What would you give to be part of something like that? That could stand for all eternity. Well, as Christians, as members of Christ's church, we are a part of something like that. We have the opportunity to be a part of something like that. And that's what I want us to think about this evening as we look at what Paul has written here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 to 58. Paul concludes this paragraph with a great, great word of encouragement. I don't know if you underline in your Bibles, but I think this is one that if you do, should be underlined and starred and marked because it is such a great word of encouragement. Verse 58. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to stand firm. I want you to be steadfast. I want you to have some spiritual steel in your backbone. I want you to have your feet firmly planted on the ground. I want you to be a tree that's roots delve deep and deep and deep into the earth, so deep that it cannot be blown ever. I want you to be a mountain peak whose reaches up into the sky, but whose feet form the very foundations of the earth. I want you to be strong and confident in your faith, so that nothing can come along and shake your face. I want you to be so strong in the Lord that nothing can come into your life that will move you, that will throw over your face. Life is just like those waves and tides. Everything can go well. Everything can be still and quiet. But then everything can change in a heartbeat. The tide can overwhelm us and the waves can break against us. And they can threaten to wash us out to sea. But dear brothers and sisters, that doesn't have to happen to you. It doesn't have to happen in your life. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. But how? How can you do that? Well, the answer is one that all of us know. You can only do that by faith. By trusting in God. By trusting in Christ. As we learned this morning, by believing in His promises. God promises to never forsake us or leave us. Jesus promises to be with us to the end of the age. God strengthens us on the inside with His Spirit, who He has given to dwell in our hearts. His Holy Scripture fortifies our hearts and strengthens us. Our brothers and sisters in Christ have our backs, hold us up, are always there for us. And above all that, through Christ Jesus, we have eternal life. And there is no force on earth that can take eternal life from us. So here's Paul's charge. Be steadfast. Be immovable. God is on our side. But then Paul wants them to do something else besides stand firm and let nothing move them. In fact, what he wants next is standing steadfast and letting nothing in action. What you do is you stand fast and let nothing move you. Paul says as you do that, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Don't hold anything back. When we stand firm and nothing moves us, then we can do the work of the Lord. And by work of the Lord, Paul can mean many things here. Some work of the Lord is one woman, one man kind of work. And some of his, rework, his work requires several hands. And more of his work requires the whole church to accomplish. Well, whatever our hands find to do, We need to do it with all of our strength, and we need to do it in the name of the Lord. We need to do it for the Lord. Whether it's serving and helping in some way, whether it's giving encouragement, whether it's giving in any variety of ways, whether it's carrying others' burdens, whether it's being involved in worship, whether it's sharing the gospel with others, those and more are the work of the Lord. And we are to give ourselves to such things. And doing the work of the Lord, Paul encourages us to give ourselves fully, to hold nothing back. Now when we do all of those things, some person or some group of people benefit from our effort. But in all of those things, we are truly doing them for the Lord. We are truly doing them to His glory and praise because we love Him. And none of us wants to love Jesus just a little bit. We don't want to give Jesus the crumbs off of our table or the change out of our pocket, do we? No, we want to love him with our whole hearts and give ourselves wholeheartedly. We don't want to hold anything back in doing the work of the Lord. But here's the good part. This is where the invincible sandcastle comes in. Paul also says, give yourself to the work of the Lord fully, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever we do for Jesus, however we do the work of the Lord, there is no such thing as wasted effort. There is no such thing as wasted time. There is no such thing as wasted resources. Now, we can't always see the results. Sometimes results take a while to develop. The one who sows is not necessarily the one who will reap. But when we give ourselves fully to His work, something always comes of it. Something always endures forever. Whatever we do for the Lord, however we serve Him, it is for eternity. It's not for the moment or for the span of our lives, but it is for eternity. It glorifies Jesus. It glorifies God. It helps accomplish their purposes. And God never, ever forgets. He never, ever forgets the labor that we do for Him. The earth is scheduled for destruction at the coming of Jesus. The earth and all its works are going to be cosmic dust five minutes after Jesus comes again. The skyscraper, the big successful business, the pile of money, the mansion on the hill, the humble building at the foot of the hill, the libraries and universities full of knowledge, all the beautiful buildings that we can find, all the works of man are going to be destroyed. As permanent... And forever as they seem, they're going to be gone. They're going to be just so much dust. They're going to be washed away in the waves and the tide. None of humanity's work is going to last. But the work that we do for the Lord is never in vain. It's eternal. And it stands forever. So don't give up on your efforts to serve the Lord. Don't let yourself get discouraged. And above all, don't ever get down on the church. If the church is not what you think it should be, if it's not doing what you think it should be, don't complain about it. Don't start chewing on your brothers and sisters. Paul warns the Galatians in chapter 5 not to bite and devour each other. Don't do those things, but instead, just you go to work. You put your shoulder into it. Spend your time and your money and effort and encourage your brothers and sisters to do the same. And do it knowing that whatever effort you expend, whatever it is that you give yourself to do, is never wasted. It's not in vain. It will stand forever and God will know it forever. I hope and pray that each of us will have a growing conviction about this, that whatever we do in service to the Lord or to the church or to the community is of greatest importance. But it's vital to the kingdom of God, and it will never, ever be wasted. It will not be in vain. But we have to ask, how can our labor for the Lord not be in vain? What is it that guarantees that it won't be? Well, for that answer, we have to go back to the beginning of our paragraph. And the answer is that God has something planned for us that will stand the test of eternity. Go back to the beginning of the paragraph and look again at verse 50 to 53. After reminding the Corinthians of the gospel which they heard and believed in verses 1 through 11... Paul launches into a defense of the reality and certainty of the resurrection in verses 12 through 34. He continues by explaining how the dead are raised and how the resurrection will work. Verse 35 to 49. And he concludes this teaching about resurrection by assuring his readers that while they have had an earthly existence, through Christ Jesus and through the resurrection, they will also have a heavenly existence. This life is not all there is to it. There is a heavenly life that follows. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Paul says, we shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Look at verse 49. But for that to happen, something about us has to change. A transformation from the earthly to the heavenly is required. And Paul assures us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. What is perishable cannot inherit what is imperishable. Our earthly physical bodies were created by God. They were part of creation that God judged to be good, to be very good. But this flesh and blood of ours was created for life here on planet earth. It was never designed for heavenly realms. In our flesh and blood we cannot fully enter into God's eternal kingdom. Our flesh and blood has an expiration date. I think mine's on my right heel. I don't know where yours is. But they can't be used past this life. Past the coming of Jesus. With time they perish. They disintegrate. They can't last any more than a sandcastle on a beach can last forever. But if that's the case, isn't it really true that what we do is in vain? Oh no. Not at all. Before we jump to that conclusion, Paul brings us in on a little secret. On something that God had given him to reveal to us. And he says, pay attention, because this is on the test. We're not all going to sleep. But we will all be changed. As the Corinthians have already found out themselves, physical death, which is what Paul is referring to when he talks about sleep, comes even to Christians. But someday, Jesus is going to return. He's going to gather up the saints, and he's going to take us home to his Father. And when he does, there will surely be Christians alive to see him come. Now, if they are alive, does that mean that they won't get to go to heaven? No. Paul is simply saying that some will be alive and some will be dead. And it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because everyone is going to be changed. Everyone is going to be transformed. He tells us that this change, that this transformation will happen in a flash. That it will take place quicker than the blink of an eye. And God's trumpet is going to sound to signal the return of Christ. To signal the resurrection of the dead, the last day, the day of judgment. And if we happen to be alive when that happens, we're going to be able to look up into heaven and see our Jesus coming to get us. Coming to take us home. The dead will rise from their graves. And bodies that were once decayed will now be transformed and they will never perish again. They will never decay again. And if we are alive, our perishable, decaying bodies will also be transformed. For what is perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and what is mortal must put on immortality. Our earthly, physical bodies will be transformed into heavenly, spiritual bodies. The eternal life, which we began when we became Christians, shifts into high gear, because from that point on, we will be living in eternity with God And with Christ. We live our Christian lives with the promise of that change. We live our Christian lives with the promise of that transformation. And like all of the other promises of God, it's going to come true, it's going to happen. And so, all of our lives, all that we do now for the Lord, continues into eternity. It continues to count for eternity, to make an eternal difference. It may seem like a little thing to help teach a Bible class on Sunday morning. It may seem like a little thing to take a mid-home and have them in your home for an afternoon. It may not seem like a big deal to prepare handwork for vacation Bible school. Or to give someone a ride to church, or take someone to a doctor's appointment, or call to check on a brother or sister, or go by the hospital, or help with some youth activity, or hand a neighbor a tract. Those things may not seem important at all compared to the other things that we do, but those things are the Lord's work. And they are eternal, they last forever. They are the good works that He created us to do. They are part of the eternal life that He gives us. And all that work makes an eternal difference in the lives that we touch and in our own lives. Now, doesn't that make some of the excuses that we come with, come up with for not doing the Lord's work just kind of silly and petty and selfish? It makes mine look that way. God's plans for us are worthy of celebration. Look at this verse 54 to 57. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, when the great day of transformation takes place and our earthly, physical, decaying bodies are replaced with heavenly, spiritual, eternal bodies, it's going to be time to celebrate. I said the other day it'd be time to party, and some got kind of didn't know what to take, how to take that. But it'll be time to party, to celebrate, to rejoice. When that transformation is complete, the last enemy will be fully and finally defeated. Death itself, the book of Revelation tells us, will be cast into the lake that burns with fire. No Christian will ever. Experience death again. We will never, ever again stand at the grave of those that we love. Death will be defeated. Death will be swallowed up in Christ's victory. And addressing death, Paul mocks it. He taunts it. He ridicules it. Oh, death, where is your victory? I thought you were going to win. I thought you were in control. Where is your sting? Everything that makes death such an enemy, the sin sin in the law, will be gone. And all that will remain is Jesus' victory over death. And thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus went for the cross and died. He took our place. And dying in our place, he dealt with our sin, and he dealt with death. On the third day, he conquered it. He overcame it. He rose from the dead. And when our resurrection comes, when our transformation at the second coming takes place, then the heavenly celebration will begin. And we'll be part of it. Because like Jesus, we will be imperishable, and we will be eternal. We will be immortal. We rise from our baptism To walk in newness of life. That life begins, the life that begins there continues throughout our earthly life. But it continues past death to transformation and into eternal life. So what do you do with the life that lasts forever? With a life that has been transformed? With a life that will someday put on immortality? Will you celebrate You rejoice before God. How could we not celebrate when we consider how great a gift God has given us? But that celebration now is hollow if that is all we do. Don't be tempted to think that this imperishable, immortal life is left for just building sandcastles on the waves of time. Don't let yourself think for a moment that nothing you do is important or really makes a difference. Because it all makes a difference in the eyes of the Lord. The encouragement here is to take the life that you have been given in Christ Jesus and offer it back to Him. Give it back to Him. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How will you use this life? How will you use... This immortal life that God has given, what you're doing will stand for eternity. And so the invitation tonight is not so much to come down the aisle, although if there's someone with that kind of a need tonight that we can, can help with, we're glad to do that. But the invitation tonight is to do just what Paul says here in verse 58. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Give yourself to the work of the Lord. And know that it won't be in vain, that it will stand forever, that you will enjoy eternity with the Father because of it. May God bless us to his service this week. Let's stand and sing our invitation.